pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. For over 23 years, Mark Peel was the executive chef and owner of the award-winning Los Angeles restaurant called Campanile. He actually began working in the kitchen as a dishwasher when he was just 17. Chef Peel has a passion for market-fresh food and is a leader of seasonal fresh ingredients in food. Mark's a frequent guest on television, appearing on Top Chef Masters, Hell's Kitchen, and as a judge on Knife Fight. Cooking professionally is very intense, both mentally and especially physically. Chefs spend their lives standing up, walking quickly, and even running in confined spaces, twisting, bending, and lifting heavy pots and pans. In fact, chefs are more likely to sustain injuries than the average American worker, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Sprains, strains, and tears are the most common complaints. Carpal tunnel syndrome is also common. For Chef Peel, working in the kitchen has led to carpal tunnel syndrome, thoracic outlet syndrome, and low back pain. It seems like a lot, but he's overcome all three conditions and continued to thrive in his career. Mark's here to share with us just how he moved beyond the pain and tempt us with his new fast food restaurant called Bombo in Los Angeles. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic. Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, The Pain Community, and DepoMed Incorporated. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Chef Mark Peel began his career working under Wolfgang Puck, did some training in France, and then focused his career in Los Angeles. Mark, welcome to Aches and Gains. Well, thank you. First, tell us what you've been doing within the culinary arts. The last year or two, after the closure of uh, Camp Nile, I've been doing a lot of consulting, a little bit of writing, a few TV shows, and working on a new concept Hmm. that we're going to be doing here in Los Angeles. Hmm, That sounds intriguing. Oh, by the way, uh, what's your cookbook called? Family Dinners. Every Monday night. We used to do kind of a family dinner at Camp Nile. Mm-hmm. Very simple, accessible food. I tried to focus on various cuisines around the world, you know, with a unitary theme. Yeah. Three courses, one price. And it was very successful. We had a lot of fun doing it. Oh, it sounds like it. Now, let me backtrack, Mark. Tell us about your new restaurant concept and your new restaurant called Bombo. In downtown LA, I don't know if you know LA very well. There's a kind of a grand marketplace called the, the Grand Central Market. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be going in there. And what I love about it, it's a very small space, under 500 square feet. Wow. You don't have tables, chairs, waiters, busters. You don't have restrooms because there are big common restrooms somewhere else in the building. Mm-hmm. 
you don't have a receptionist, you don't have a maitre d', you don't have to worry about seating, you don't have to worry about reservations. Right. And so you can do things a lot more affordably. Well, it sounds like a, a fast food restaurant. Well, I would call it more, uh, you know, for want of a better word, fast casual. We're going to be operating on the same time parameters as fast food. Uh-huh. My goal is three and a half minutes. Order to food in hand. Wow, I mean, that's pretty fast. Mark, what kind of food will you be serving? Well, we're going to be focusing on seafood. Mm -hmm. Not exclusively, but I really love filleting fish. And and when it's really good, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And it cooks very fast. Right, exactly. Uh, Fast, casual. Will there be something unique about the the preparation of the food? Mm -hmm. What I want to do is create, you know, different bases, Mm -hmm. broths, if you will. Uh, spicy, saffrony, lobster bouillabaisse kind of sauce. Mm-hmm. And then, for instance, say a shrimp, curry shrimp, kind of a cream sauce, lemongrass in it, and then also a spicy chicken broth, no cream or anything like that, mm-hmm. very light, and then a vegan broth, but with lots of dried mushrooms, kombu, the, the Japanese seaweed, uh-huh. to give it a really strong, intense umami flavor. Mm, it sounds diverse and delicious. Mark, I don't think many realize what a physical toll a career as a chef takes. Tell us how the physical toll has impacted you. You know, you're on your feet for this 12 hours, pretty much the entire 12 hours, Mm -hmm. six days a week. And you don't think about it, but it does take its toll. I got a varicose vein when I was 22. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I didn't get a second one. You start to get, you know, lower back pain. You're on your feet, but it's not like you're uh, doing a lot of exercise in the right possible way. You're standing in one position, slightly hunched over a table when you're cutting. So it puts a huge amount of pressure on your lower back. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your shoulders are hunched because you're chopping. So you tend to get repetitive motion injuries like carpal tunnel, thoracic outlet, lower back, some upper back, foot problems. You're lifting very, very heavy things. You lift a stock pot from one stove to the other. You might lift it up and then twist to get it to another stove. When you actually should lift it up and then move your feet all the way around and set it down, but you're in a hurry. So you just sling it around, which puts a huge amount of torque on your lower back. It does. And those stock pots can weigh about 60 pounds. Cooking puts a lot of stress in the low back, the upper back. You've mentioned uh, the development of carpal tunnel syndrome, thoracic outlet syndrome. We'll talk about those injuries that actually occurred in you later on in the show. Uh, first, though, you know, some who cook might wonder whether they're at risk. I mean, do you think this, is, this primarily affects just executive chefs? It primarily affects, I think, uh, line cooks. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are do, uh, doing the most physical work. An executive chef can be standing around with a clipboard. <laughs> right. Well, I think this highlights the importance of, of proper ergonomics and proper body posture to help reduce the risk of injuries, repetitive motion injuries especially. Mm-hmm. Let's now focus on the arm, repetitive arm and wrist movements from gripping a lot of utensils. Oh, yeah. Oh, repetitive wrist movements, absolutely. You know, pots and pans are very heavy. I think one of the best cooking pans... There is, is a cast iron skillet. They really hold their heat. They don't ever warp. They're inexpensive. And I I love them. Mm -hmm. The downside, however, is those things are heavy. If you're working saute and you're using pretty much exclusively cast iron skillets, each one of those weighs about two to three pounds. And so you're moving around, shifting, lifting, and you're leaning 
all the way in the back of the stove to grab them off the shelf, which puts another more strain on your lower back. Mm -hmm. I know several cooks, including myself, who have gotten carpal tunnel syndrome, I think, from cast iron skillets. Right. And Mark, I mean, you're grasping and, and grabbing a lot of utensils as well. Yes, absolutely. And the knife work, too, because when you're really good and you're really fast, your knife moves at a very high rate of speed. Yeah. It's literally that fast, like that, extremely repetitive. You know, I've seen that on TV, on shows like Top Chef, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing how quickly the knife moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, now describe the symptoms of carpal tunnel. What did you experience? It was not extremely debilitating, but it was sore. And I really discovered it only when they tested it. Okay. I went into doctors because I had uh, numbness and pain, which seems almost contradictory, but it's not. Right. Numbness and pain and burning down my arms. Okay, so you went to the doctor because you had numbness and pain radiating down the arm that was later diagnosed as thoracic outlet syndrome. And while you were at the doctor's office, it sounds like they diagnosed carpal tunnel syndrome. And they do that with some kind of a test. It um, measures nerve response and so on. I said, yeah, you've got carpal tunnel. Right, exactly. The test that you're referring to is called an EMG nerve conduction test. EMG stands for electromyography. And the nerve conduction test uh, shows abnormalities in nerve conduction of the median nerve, which is the nerve that's compressed in carpal tunnel syndrome. The EMG portion of the test may show abnormalities in the muscles supplied by the median nerve. And by the way, the EMG nerve conduction test remains the gold standard for diagnosis of carpal tunnel syndrome. Mark, what other symptoms did you experience? A little bit of numbness. When you wake up in the morning, you feel like your hands are swollen Mm -hmm. and they're they're, they're painful to open and close. Uh, And then then the day goes on and and it gets a little bit better, gets loosened up. Yeah, you know, a lot of patients that I see describe something similar. I mean, a lot of patients will say that they have pain or pins and needles sensations uh, in their hand, especially the fingertips of the thumb, index, uh, or middle fingers, or all of them. And sometimes they'll say that pain actually radiates up into the forearm or even the upper arm. Others will say the pain is worse after exertion or upon wakening in the morning, and often they'll attempt to relieve the pain by shaking or flicking the hand uh, pretty vigorously. Mark, how long did you have the symptoms before seeking help? Probably um, six months. Mm -hmm. I mean, did it limit you in any way? Not so much. I think that if I had not changed the way I was working because of the thoracic outlet, probably the carpal tunnel would have gotten worse. Let's find out which treatments were most successful in relieving Chef Peel's carpal tunnel when we get back from the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare. 
connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit mylifepatientproject.com and dc2healthcare.com. Welcome back to the show. We're here with award-winning executive chef Mark Peel discussing uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. Mark, tell us which treatments were the most successful in reducing your carpal tunnel syndrome pain. I never got any surgery, thank heavens. I was able to avoid that. Good. But I was given stretches and things to do, and I was told that I just needed to ease up on working the line. I couldn't work the line six days a week, maybe three or four days a week, and not for as long. And then I do a lot of stretching at the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, before just going on the line, which really helped kind of keep things open and loosen things up. And did you wear a wrist splint at any time? I did have a wrist splint for a while, keep my wrist straight. Mm-hmm. It was very helpful. And I would wear that when I wasn't actually working on the line. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really glad that was helpful for you, though. And the first step in treating carpal tunnel syndrome is the use of a wrist splint, which most of my patients wear at night and sometimes during the day, but it's not as easy to wear during the day because they're working. And the purpose of the wrist splint is to prevent excessive flexion at the wrist and then to permit remyelination of the injured median nerve. And remember, the myelin is the insulation layer that surrounds the nerve fiber. Mark, have you been able to go back to working on the line? No, I haven't been working on the line for quite some time. Okay. So the symptoms have receded considerably. Well, that's terrific. Now, I have patients uh, in whom I've injected some local anesthetic and steroid to help reduce the symptoms of carpal tunnel syndrome, and that's lasted for somewhere between maybe two to three months. Some of those patients have benefited permanently, and others simply haven't and have required surgery. But research does suggest that surgery can be quite effective and may be or should be a first-line form of treatment for carpal tunnel syndrome because it's pretty cost-effective and promotes the resolution of symptoms. And by the way, Mark, you know, I do have some patients who've tried complementary and alternative medicine therapies for carpal tunnel syndrome. Did you? I have to admit, I am a natural-born skeptic. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a kid, my sister and my mother used to love the Ouija board. Uh The Ouija board would stop working when I would walk in the room. (laughs) So when you talk about alternative medicines, you're talking to the wrong crowd. Okay. Mm -hmm. I believe those things should be science-based and the science on acupuncture, not that strong. I have actually had acupuncture Uh and I I think it may have helped, but I think even on me, there may have been some placebo effect. What did you have acupuncture for? When I threw my lower back out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was terrible. Wow. And you felt that it helped? Well, I think, you know, it may have. Well, at this point, it seems like you have full function of both hands and mm-hmm. fingers, and really you have no symptoms that are associated with carpal tunnel syndrome. Mm-mm. That's terrific. And I meant to ask you earlier, did you have any physical therapy? Yes. Okay, what was that like? Well, you know, I was given kind of an ice bath to reduce inflammation, mm-hmm. some stretches. Basically, the physical therapy was not to abate the symptoms, but to teach me how to abate the symptoms, which I think is the best physical therapy. And and did it help? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. A couple of facts about carpal tunnel syndrome. The lifetime risk of acquiring it is about 10%. 
It develops because of a chronically sustained pressure within the tunnel that damages the median nerve. You know, and some have wondered whether certain occupations put patients at risk, and they may or they may not. That is, there, there has been a positive association between high repetition and high hand grip force and the prevalence of carpal tunnel syndrome. And in addition to having symptoms and having a physical examination, make sure the diagnosis of carpal tunnel syndrome is confirmed by EMG nerve conduction tests. And finally, there are predisposing factors to its development, like diabetes or chemotherapy, pregnancy, and hypothyroidism. You mentioned earlier that you developed thoracic outlet syndrome. Let's talk about that. Thoracic outlet syndrome results from an inadequate passageway between the base of the neck and the armpit. Three forms exist. The first can affect the nerves, specifically the brachial plexus, which is a network of nerves that begin at the spine and traverse the neck, armpit, and into the arm, or the subclavian artery, or the subclavian vein. Most of the time, the syndrome results from compression of the brachial plexus, that is the nerves, more than the artery or the vein. Many patients will experience numbness, tingling in the fingers, pain in the neck, shoulder or arm, muscle spasms around the scapula or shoulder blade, headaches, and upper extremity weakness. Now, Mark, tell us what you experienced. It was numbness and burning and a weakness in, in, it started out in my left arm. So I Mm -hmm. thought I was having a heart attack. Wow. Um, But then I figured out that I wasn't. And then I, then I still didn't go for a few months because it didn't go away. Yeah. No, I mean, that must have been scary initially. And then, Mark, what we think happens in uh, the nerve form or neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome is that uh, it results from repetitive overhead movements. Mm -hmm. Uh, For example, you know, hairdressers, sometimes certain athletes, violinists even, are predisposed to developing this syndrome. What do you think caused it in you? I believe that it was, you know, as I said, those cast iron skillets. Uh That was a silent curse you just heard there. (laughs) On the line, you have. The cast iron skillets are on a shelf up above the stove mm-hmm. at about head height. So you have to stretch in over the stove and extend your arm all the way out and pick up a skillet with a straight arm. And that thing weighs about three pounds. Okay. And you put it down and then you're moving it around. And then when you it's dirty and you give it the dishwasher, it's another straight arm to the stainless steel bin where you put your dirties. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of overhead straight arm lifting and moving. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how many repetitive overhead movements are involved in cooking, and especially with cast iron skillets that can put chefs at risk for thoracic outlet syndrome. Listen, we have to take a break. When we come back, we'll find out more about Chef Peel's symptoms. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. DepoMed Incorporated, a specialty pharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing products to treat pain and other central nervous system conditions. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Mark, for how many years were you lifting those heavy cast iron skillets? 15 years. That's a long time for the symptoms to develop. Tell us then, how did they progress? A lot of the time it was at night, when my arm would just would go limp, you know, not much movement. Mm-hmm. 
and then it would burn and and then I would try to get it in the right position and sometimes I'd get it in just position and it would just evaporate. Yeah. And then it progressed where it would come on at any time during the day mm-hmm. if I was in the wrong position. Especially interestingly enough, when I was driving it would happen. And I think that it's because when you hold your hands on the wheel, your arms are up and it's just in the position where it would block that nerve. Exactly. So I'd have to switch hands and let the other one hang. Mm -hmm. You know, I have patients, one in particular had a little baby, and she also developed neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome and couldn't lift her baby. The pain was so bad. Classically, pain radiates from the shoulder down the inner aspect of the arm. Although a lot of times, patients will also report to me that they feel there's pain in the neck, in the trapezius, the shoulder blade... Uh, the shoulder, and also they'll report headaches. Did you develop these symptoms as well? No, it was a it was the whole arm from about shoulder down. How about headaches? I did not get headaches, thank heaven. Well, that's good. What about weakness in your arm or hand? In that example I gave earlier of my patient who had a small little baby, I mean, she really felt weak and could not lift her baby and needed a lot of help at home. It would it would cause weakness, too. I mean, it's the numbness and the burning would make it a little weak. Sure. Mark, how did it affect your work life? Uh, did you lose the ability to do anything at work? Did you, were overhead movements compromised? Because a colleague of mine published a couple of years ago uh, that if neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome remained untreated, quality of life was as impaired as those with chronic heart failure, which was pretty amazing. Well, like I said, it limited me in terms of um, working on the line. Yeah. And I loved working on the line. That's my my favorite thing. It was very athletic and energetic and focused mm-hmm. and creative. I was not very happy about it, but I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, no, I understand. I mean, I see a lot of patients who have this syndrome and other pain syndromes who will say the same thing. They just can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I have other patients with this syndrome who have trouble washing their hair, uh, twisting caps, for example, or even typing. I mean, some of the basic things that we need to do in life. Did you experience any of these? Well, the washing, I still have I have very short hair, so it doesn't take long to wash my hair. <laughs> But but opening caps, as I recall, might have been a little bit of an issue. But it's also things like when you have small kids, bending down and lifting when the arm is really kind of numb and tingling, it's you're afraid to lift your kid because you don't want to drop them. You are. That's exactly right. And I've had several patients say the same thing. Were you ever worried about losing your job or did thoracic outlet syndrome compromise your career? Well, no, I was lucky in that I was kind of the executive chef and the owner. Mm-hmm. Time, so I was able to like adjust things around. I, you know, spent more time writing menus and teaching and supervising things like that. Yeah, but I think that had I ignored it mm-hmm. and let it get really, really bad, it could have very much affected my livelihood. And if I had not been in that position where I was able to myself adjust my schedule, that could have been um, debilitating. Right. I had a cook who had to quit because she just couldn't handle the pans anymore. And so she was able to get a different job where she was more in an executive position, Mm -hmm. and she continued on. Oh, good for her. Mark, let me ask you about diagnosis. How was the condition diagnosed? Uh, Again, I went to the doctor at Kaiser at the time, Mm -hmm. and I think that they did an EKG thing, Uh and they send impulses, and then they have something, a receptor down in the wrist, something like that. Mm -hmm. If it goes at a certain rate, you're good, and if it's impeded by a certain degree, they'll say, you've got this thing, and it was impeded. But what you're talking about there is an EMG nerve conduction 
function test. Most of the time, a thorough history and physical exam diagnoses neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome rather than any tests. And I and others have used an injection into a muscle in the neck called the anterior scalene muscle to actually help diagnose the condition, followed by botulinum toxin sometimes to help relieve the symptoms. And we're out of time, but please join us next time when we find out what made his thoracic outlet syndrome better and how he overcame low back pain. Chef Mark Peel, I want to thank you for being here today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.